Hey, hello. Hello. Hello and welcome to the show. This is a grand party with me, a grand party. What is this show? This show has no planning to it. There's no planning. There's no pre-production. There's no post-production. There's no editing. And we're now deciding that that is part of the hook. We're deciding that that's, that's what this is. It is me trying to stay sane in social distancing by asking friends, hey, you want to get on the uh, want to get on the mic and uh, gab a little bit? You want to do a little bit of gibby gab? It's Monday. No, it's not. It's Tuesday. Good gravy. It's Tuesday, February 2nd in Los Angeles, California, mid-city in the cat garage. That's where I'm recording from, talking into my laptop and watching the sound waves turn into a Rorschach test. What is the point of this podcast? I already said it. Look, man, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. You, you. you think that there's more to be offered? No, 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 no. And I've got, do I have an air horn sound effect? Yes, I do. Do I have an Austin Powers uh, dot wave file? Oh, be- <laughs> yes yeah. does it go on yeah, baby yeah. does it go on a little too long yes it does again there's no editing the editing it confounds me uh so today i'm hanging out talking to catching up with getting to know in the podcast way prince of la the goth prince of la comedy host of two with a third upcoming podcast on the way and recent cat daddy-o daddy-o brody reed hey brody yes daddy-o is the correct expression uh, <laughs> thanks for inviting me on first of all is your is your intro music is it talk time thank you for the reminder it is talk time it is our friend mike nissen who's the guitarist uh i about half the time remember to say that that is called yourself <laughs> by talk time and the other yeah, the t- first and the time other I, half, I only remember at the end yeah <laughs> yeah the first time i listened i was like oh two uh, i i hear my friends and that's great and in two different ways so that's fun that's true how's it going thanks for yeah, inviting me on so you it- can get to know me in the podcast way <laughs> i feel like for some reason it's more comfortable to say, Hey Brody, you want to do a pod rather than, Hey Brody, do you want to get on the phone for an hour? Because I'm just crushingly lonely for some reason. There's a little more, but then I still say it anyway. So there's not, uh, one thing that I've been dying to talk to you about is your cats. So that's, that's the one pre-production I have, which is very, I think one of their names is Sega dreamcast or did, have you renamed? Um, actually renamed her. That is true. I renamed her very similarly to Sega dream cat. It was right there. There it is. Sega Dream Cat. How, it's a, that's a dream name, a Sega Dream Cat. Thank you. Yeah, you, um, I remember, um, I think the last time we like talked any kind of extensively, you, you were telling me to get cats um, or a cat. That sounds like me. Throughout the pre- pandemic, you were like, that's a really good idea for you. And you're right. Um, as soon as I had a friend of mine who just like, on Instagram, like stories one day was just like, Hey, can anyone like foster two cats? And I like answered in the span of like 10 minutes, just like, and I'm not even on Instagram. So this is very serendipitous. And I was like, I'll do it. And then she brought the cats over that night or maybe the next day. And then I've had them ever since. We're not foster cats anymore. I'm just, I just stole them. So (laughs) that's how it begins. That's how it started with Ashlyn, 
I think she oh, yeah. started with two cats in a similar way of like, oh, I'll just foster them for a minute, Milo and Moose. And then now it's eight cat late, eight cats later. That's the name of the horror movie of where it's not zombies, yeah. but it's all just cats. It's eight cats. Later. So Sega dream cat. And where's what's the, name the bodies? Of uh, they're been, they've been eaten <laughs> the same day they died. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just the Batman Returns Michelle Pfeiffer, but instead yeah. of it being spooky scary, it's more like, oh, that looks great. That's great. It's just it's a it's a really pleasing horror movie. A twenty four, call me. <laughs> um, wait, what's the name of your other kitty? Um, Space Ghost. Kept Space it real Ghost. simple. Yeah, <laughs> I love these names. It just there. Yeah. So. And I'm glad you you have not you were not a cat you didn't have a, a pet period before did you have um, pets um, at all no you cats? I had um, I had some cats when I was like way younger um, but my mom did all the heavy lifting um, and then I sort of had a dog for like a second my at my dad's house but not really so I haven't had many pets in my life so this is like the first time it's like oh I'm like directly responsible for two things to live for sure it gives it gives the day a little bit more pep right my mom i also for sure yeah they they keep you honest a little bit what time do you feed them in the morning 10 when they wake me up (laughs) when they wake me up is the right answer yeah when they wake me up yeah that's a that's that's a that's a reasonable wake up time i think that's what i would say that's about when i'm waking up is 10 a.m because I don't know about you. I'm not. I'm not working a, a nine to five right now. I am uh-huh. unemployed and working on writing, which means I don't know what the schedule is. Right. Yeah. Same. I've been for the last year have been dealing with like family stuff and like paperwork shit, and I'm almost done with it. But it's been like a long year of doing that, um, and I feel like I just started to like let myself be creative like every day like very recently and um now i'm just now that's a like a different like unique version of anxiousness (laughs) where it seems like everyone else is doing the most and you're doing the least but that could not be more untrue it just feels like that i feel like I often have this almost adversarial relationship with social media where I don't know if I should stay on or stay off. One of the reasons that I do stay on is that I feel often less alone seeing you, you, you kind of, you, you post what feels like a lot of, you've been going through it. You've been going through (laughs) Uh legit trauma and grief cycle. And I feel you and I, and like you've, but I, it's a, it's you're human online. That's mm-hmm. maybe what I'm trying to say. Uh, whereas a lot of the rest of the feed, it's it, we're all just projecting our own anxiety, I guess, of trying to maybe look important or show off the things. Um, <laughs> how are you? How are you doing? Not like you, I know you were busy. You said in the text you had a busy month. Like, uh, how are you doing mental health wise? Um, pretty good. I have like been through enough stuff and i've like i like know when i need to take time to like process things and i've i literally took all of like 2020 to fucking like process like a bunch of stuff um these days i'm actually doing quite well 
Um, I started taking this, um, I've never taken like, um, SSRIs or like mood stabilizers or anything. And I'm still not sure if I'm taking it cause I'm taking some kind of like weird, like <laughs> Russian anxiety medication that I bought from a website where you could also buy things, uh, with like Bitcoin. <laughs> so not through, not through the, the normal channels. No, my, I have a friend, um, who has had like, um, like 88, uh, yeah, like ADD and like anxiety for a long time. And like, um, he's been on certain medications and he hasn't really liked any of them, but then he tried, um, this one thing and he liked it and he, and I was just like, okay, maybe I'll just try it too. Just so, cause you can buy it like over the counter sort of. Um, yeah. and it's sort of been like, I think it's been good for my anxiety. Like, um, I don't know. It's just like, there, there are a lot of days, especially, these days where I'll wake up and I'll have like a list of things to do. And like, I will plan to do those things, but then I just feel like the weight of the world and I can't do anything. Where's the energy? Except for like energy. Yeah. Where is it? Where does I, I, yeah. Can't get out of bed. Can't do anything except like smoke weed or play video games. Um, (laughs) and like feel bad about doing that. (laughs) Um, but it's a vicious re- cycle. I've, yeah. I'm in. I'm. I'm often in that cycle, and and yeah. and I'm glad to hear that you're. Uh, however, you're getting them. Looking at SSRIs and mood stabilizers. I yeah. was. I think I. I really bottomed out with depression toward the holidays. I was doing okay for a minute in the beginning of social distancing because mm-hmm. I kind of felt like, oh, I got the hang of this. I can. I can do this. I can. I can ride solo. I've been. I've been working from home for a while. I loneliness, ha, nothing. <laughs> but then, and it's not like there were no problems before that, right? Like it's like, it, but then that really compounded. Anyway, at some point I started, here's the, the trick with once you're starting to get on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to, to know, so this is your first time ever doing SSRI. Like you haven't had a yeah. issue of being on medication before. Yeah, it's definitely having um a positive effect on me even if it, that were like a, a psychosomatic or something it's working so <laughs> it it might i wonder about this too i mean i it might be but i i i there's a huge difference to when i go off basically uh-huh. is what i and the the frightening thing after it's like there's two battles with it the first is like first acknowledging that maybe this would help and i got on i got back on zoloft which is my ssri Mm-hmm. there's Vivance, which I'm not sure is really helping me with cutting back on the smoking of the weed because I feel like it makes me a little more fidgety, but it does give that energy boost, I feel. And then the Mood Stabilizer, which has the most dystopian name, like the most, like if you were like writing a thing about like all the kids are overmedicated, then uh-huh. they would be taking Abilify. But it's been, <laughs> it's been so huge because otherwise it would be like the smallest thing like i just couldn't do almost anything right like, uh, just the smallest inconvenience would just set off this chain reaction in my brain to where and there was always like these dark thoughts hovering and all of the like pain mm-hmm. and things and the, you know uh and just yeah I'm, i, I would try I was, to get out of my go uh-huh. i remember i was talking to someone just like probably like an older comic just like outside of a bar one day just having like a regular conversation i remember uh, I was like complaining to them about like my like creative process. And then that person asked me like, 
do you consider yourself like a person with like a low threshold? And I thought about it and I was like, yes. <laughs> and I think that kind of like changed <laughs> my outlook on a lot of things. <laughs> I'm like a very sensitive person. <laughs> I had, I, I feel you on that of like, I, it took a while to just sort of acknowledging that. Cause I did, I wasn't thinking of myself as somebody who's has a low threshold for mm-hmm. frustration or pain or is highly sensitive, but Turns out, yeah. Turns out, like, I'm wounded by virtually everything. Uh, <laughs> and trying to trying to build up that, like, inner strength and inner resolve and, and get this self-talk to be a little bit more friendly and less just horribly cutting and just constantly cutting myself down. Do you, I wonder if, do you, like, is that part of it for you, the, like, yeah. inner voice that hates you? Yeah, um, it's definitely, it's, it's... Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely be feeling sorry about myself. Um, and then I'll, there's another part of me that's like, give yourself a break. You can't feel sorry for yourself all the time. Um, and then what happens at the end of all that is that I still didn't get anything done. So that's one more thing to feel bad about. So it's like a cyclical thing. Um, and now, and also there's just so many things that I like genuinely do want to do. And I compare that to, the things that I actually do. And it's still just like um, a crazy different ratio. So now I feel like even just like a little, like I'm spending way less time, um, like second guessing, just getting into a process and like discover, rediscovering like how much like I enjoy things like editing or blah, 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 or whatever. Um, it's hard it's hard to say but it's just like I'm trying to be a lot less critical about things that I do also and kind of just like give myself a time frame and then like be impressed with myself how good I got it in that time frame and then if it's not exactly what I wanted it to be hey the next time it comes around maybe that'll be better you know what I mean does that make sense yeah no, that makes perfect sense. That's also, that sounds healthy. That sounds like. I think like, it does. It, I think so. I've been, I've been on the mantra of uh, like, I just want to be less passive. Yeah. Like I feel like I, I let a lot of things or that's just my mindset of letting things happen to me. And man, that, that gulf between the things that I want to be doing, not even just like in a large sense, but even just in a practical day to day sense. And then what I actually do, I always, you know, it's always focusing on, Oh, you piece of shit. And trying to, and then if I try to like make the list too small, I'm like, okay, let's manage our expectations. Mm-hmm. Then it then there's no satisfaction. It's like, okay, I scooped the cat litter today. I walked to the store. Mm-hmm. Hooray, let's throw myself a parade. Oh, oh, look at you crossing off shit on your list, you fucking moron. So it's gotta be like so it's it that's a a a, a tricky one. Um yeah. Crazy random pivot, but uh-huh. also, do you find that you've been doing? So I, I listen to the Dark Weeb. Uh, I, I actually don't listen to many podcasts. I've listened to a Same. bit of both of yours. Okay, good. I was wondering if you do more podcasts than you listen to. Um, I, absolutely. Um, there's definitely been times, um, where I'll like regularly listen to podcasts. Usually, I'm listening to maybe like one or two regularly. Um, these days. I'm really not, and I really need to be, um, because 
a lot of my friends have really interesting stuff that I need to like be paying attention to. But honestly, if I listen to even one podcast a week, that's <laughs> that's something. That's a lot. That's same for me. I feel I feel a weird guilt about it too because I I want it's like I want to be hanging out with friends and it's it's theoretically very easy to do to just kind of and then I'm making this with that same intent of like well maybe people and uh uh been talking more to our our friend Daniel Antonio Baron who's like always recommending uh-huh. new podcasts to me I yeah just like but but there's a weird I, I wonder if you have the thing that I do too where it's like I there. I, I get I get mixed up with it where like mm-hmm. I'm, I do I know these people or do I not know these people? Then I start knowing them a lot, but they I start to feel weird about that, which is <laughs> strange because I'm also trying to in, uh, allow enable that for others in this. Uh, yeah, but that like that's what I mean with my adversarial like relationship with social media is like mm-hmm. who do I actually know and who don't I? And right. maybe that's just part of LA being a sprawling thing. Maybe that's part of social media being a sprawling uh-huh. thing. Um, yeah. If, if people like are regularly listening to my podcasts and say they're like liking my stuff on Twitter, there's actually a good chance that I'll know who they are or kind of like what their deal is. Like, and also, I mean, like there's a lot of people who are public figures who are kind of like, um, you know, they're, they're just like bigger public figures who kind of will state that like, just because you listen to a podcast or something like that just doesn't mean that, you know, someone's life, but I'm not like a big podcast person. Like, um, I don't think any of my podcasts have like more than a thousand listeners a week or anything like that. So if you're regularly listening, like, honestly, I, in my opinion, like you are entitled to a little bit of my time. Like <laughs> I don't mind. Like, thank you. <laughs> That's my feeling on it too. Of this is like, this is a very, this, is, this has a small reach and odds are, if you're listening, we have a personal relationship and I appreciate you kind of thing. Um, it's like, also I'm not doing anything. <laughs> if you tweet at me, I I'll respond. I am not an asshole. <laughs> yeah. You're pretty accessible. You're 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 accessible. You're for, for a goth prince. Yeah, <laughs> for now. Until until everything changes and then you're going to be just laying on a pile of coke and just being like I don't know. I don't know <laughs> yeah. what else. That's that's probably as as cherry coke if I had to <laughs> That's that's what I want the third act of like a good fellows like like spiraling out of control thing is just like they're they're getting really bad in the Coke habit, but it's with just cherry Coke, diet cherry yeah, Coke. One of them, yeah, they get real addicted to soda. Yeah, that'd be sick. <laughs> We've known each other for long kind time. of a while. A long I uh a decade, pretty much. A decade. Mm-hmm. I, and I think we knew each other a little bit even before you started performing, right? Yeah, because I would come to Hanning Plan all the time. I thought so. I was I I I thought I had that in my brain, but it seems so long ago that it also seems like a fever dream because yeah. it's you've been performing long enough that I it's hard to imagine a time before that. Uh, like, yeah, before it's, I, it's weird. Um, it's it's I don't know. It's seem, it seems so clear, like in my head. But like at the same time, it's just like, oh, that time is getting farther away for sure. But it was like um, before I started doing comedy and I was like interested in the concept of (laughs) like uh taking improv classes and stuff and i was like the funny guy at work um like that's when i kind of like through a work friend of mine started dating 
Josh Androsky, who was the first comedian who I ever like knew. Um, and then you guys were doing Ham Clown. So I started coming to that every Wednesday um, at what, what was the theater called? The um, the uh, Little Modern is what it was little called. Little Modern. Um, yeah. So and then I came to that and it was that was a great show. <laughs> I'll tell you that always. Oh, thanks. Um, it was very, it was very chaotic. I was thinking that uh, chaotic sweetie is is sort of yeah my brand, I guess. Of like, I I would like to be sweet to people, but also I'm very chaotic and unorganized. Androsky was chaos. my, I love chaos. Androsky was my uh, entryway into it too. I was hanging out with a friend of his because he just he's he's. Well, also, are you from where are you from originally? Are you from Southern California? Yeah, I'm from here. I'm from um, I'm from Inglewood, um, but I'm from all over L.A. Like my parents, like right now I live in um, Ladera Heights where my um, grandparents have always had a house um, and I've kind of lived always all around L.A. But um, when I started doing entertain, like I would avoid Hollywood up until I started doing entertainment. So like in a way, it feels like I like moved to the city you know what i mean but like i was already yeah i was just like on the west side you know <laughs> you mean avoiding hollywood the neighborhood right like the like yeah. hollywood boulevard and yeah unless i went specifically to see some band or something i would not step like north of um you know like the 10 like i can only imagine ever. being a kid raised in being not raised here being a transplant it always seems to me when I see kids on Hollywood Boulevard or when I used to, and I don't know, probably uh-huh. there's probably a ton of maskless people on Hollywood Boulevard right now. Yeah. Um, but it always seemed terrifying to me. It always seemed like the worst possible vacation. So it, it seemed, <laughs> it, it seemed like a thing that would have, if I were a kid being raised, I would, I would probably be scared of that area. It's like, that's where the, the crazy Spider-Man and Batman and <laughs> yeah. are hanging out. Likewise. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the rest of the, I mean, it's, it's, it can be shocking how like just getting away from kind of like the Hollywood area going just like a little bit South or North and, um, LA starts to look and feel just like anywhere else in Southern California. Um, just, you know, like seven elevens on every other corner and, um, Jack in a boxes. And then other than that, it's, <laughs> it's like pretty normal. <laughs> yeah. And you, you, I, the other thing I like as a transplant, I like, I kind you, do you have any like desire to I, LA seems like the final destination for everybody, especially if you're in entertainment, mm-hmm. but even otherwise, it just seems like this it's in terms of the weather, in terms of the sprawl, there's space. It's, it's a, it's cheaper relatively to New York, but do you, are you pretty committed to LA or do you think, um, do you still um, have like a, yeah, maybe I'll spend a couple years in New York sort of thing. Um, I definitely have had that. Um, I have like a pretty um small nuclear family in Los Angeles. Um it was like I you know, there I it was like me, my mom, my grandma, like my cousin, um, and then like some other cousins who are kind of like spread out, but they're not like close to me. So like I felt like I really couldn't leave LA for a long time um just because of that reason um and i wish that i kind of like before i got into entertainment spent time somewhere else whether it was like 
Oakland or like Portland or something like that, somewhere with trees, um, <laughs> somewhere with like an art scene that would have been like nice. Cause I do kind of resent having spent um, just like 30 straight years in LA. Um, and like now I don't have those family ties. Like I still have cousins um, here, but other than that, I just have like a house to worry about. And I have, um, I have family in New York um, I could be, I could be in Brooklyn right now staying in an attic for free. Um, and I definitely would like to do a bit of that, but like, honestly, if it weren't for the entertainment industry here specifically at this point in my life, I would pack up everything and move to Japan <laughs> and just buy like a house in the countryside or something <laughs> and then just chill out for a couple of years and then come back <laughs> very well rested. That sounds great. I want that for you. Also, I downloaded Yakuza 0 two years after you recommended it to me. Was that the game that got you into wanting to learn Japanese, or was that more of like watching anime? I Um, uh, Kind of. Um, I've watched anime all my life, and I've played Japanese video games all my life. Like, I'm just like a fan of a lot of um, specific facets of the media from there, whether it's like... John Barra, which is like um, like samurai movies, um, whether it's like Yakuza movies, whether it's like tokusatsu to shit like Power Rangers and like Godzilla and stuff. Um, like all that stuff to me is like separate and like just coalesces. Um, but it was around the time where I was playing a lot of um, like Yakuza games specifically um, where I was just like, you know what? It's time to just learn it. Let's just get it over with. I won't have to read all these subtitles anymore. Um, and it's like four years later and I'm like halfway done <laughs> and it's been a lot of work. <laughs> can you speak? Uh, are you, are you, are you somebody that can speak Spanish pretty fluently? Um, no, I'm actually learning Spanish, um, at the same time, um, right now. I, I'm kind of embarrassed that I don't know Spanish because all my friends in high school basically spoke Spanish. Um, and it's definitely not as hard as Japanese, but for some reason it's just difficult for me for all these like L sounds and, um, stuff. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, I'm very embarrassed myself too of like, I, I need to, and you're at least putting forth the, I, I was doing Duolingo for a little bit and then just kind of fell off of the habit. And now I know still nothing. I and put I, my, um, I put my Duolingo like threshold down to just one lesson a day. Um, and now they let you like keep your streak for like three days, which is like way better than it was before. And I'm on like day, like I'm past like day 300 right now, which, which is, you know, that's huge <laughs> pandemic induced, but at the same time, still surprising for me personally. Yeah, that's, that's really impressive. That's, uh, that's, I don't know that you're in, you're in the second level, you're in the second year of, uh, of if you were taking it in school, if you were like taking yeah. it. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, just like having it be a habit has been really um, positive for me, for sure. Did you have to take Spanish in high school or a second language? I've tried to learn Spanish maybe like three separate times and failed, um, gave up every time. So this this is what I'm talking about. You make me feel less alone in my because you're just willing to say honestly, like, look, this is a thing I could be better at, but I'm fucking not. I'm 
that's I, I I should have taken it in high school. I don't know what I was thinking. I know what I was thinking, but it was a stupid thought. Uh-huh. Just wanted just wanted to take the opposite class that everybody else was taking. Rebel for no reason. That's my ethos. Rebel for absolutely no Me reason. Me too. Um, I think a huge factor in my life, and just like um, a lot of my choices for a long for 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 all of my life, pretty much. It's like if I see everyone into something, I'm gonna do the opposite just because it's different. Like <laughs> it's always been. I me too. And uh, again feeling less alone. God damn, I love this podcast. <laughs> uh it is a it's definitely feels like a self-destructive habit that I'm trying to slowly shift away from and not be like, oh, this has this is my identity. Guy that's always going on the heart, like the whatever the the other path is in, in any conceivable scenario, because mm-hmm. it's often I'm just doing it for no great reason than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I am I am true. I'm like it's not even like I'm saying like a lot. Um, like I'm an anti-authoritarian person, but it's deeper than that. It's just like if there's a trend that people are into. I will make an effort to be like alt. <laughs> like, I have this thing too, man. Uh-huh. I, it's, it is an anti-authoritarian thing is what I'm realizing with myself anyway, which is like I anytime I see power in any form, I start to just suddenly like get really defensive mm-hmm. in a way. And it's it's and it's and like it's often self-destructive. Any like I not that I've had any real power, but anytime that I've had any sort of anything that I felt like was power, I get really self suspicious of it. Mm-hmm. Um, ham clown. I like, I stopped cause I, I started feeling really self- <laughs> I just started feeling self-conscious because when you're booking a show in LA, then suddenly everybody wants to do the show or something or, or you know, right. Uh, booking was, is annoying for sure. And your, your podcast, you don't really, well, dark weep had has guests, but male gaze, your other podcast is mostly just uh four bros chilling and that's mostly um when uh, when one of us can't make it um we'll bring in another guest usually they'll be female um and and that's a pretty easy process because it's like i get to recommend someone maybe like once every like three months so (laughs) so that's a lot easier um dark weeb it's like we'll have ideas for podcasts and then stuff will come out um that'll happen like pretty organically Uh, like if i know so and such and such is like a really big fan of um this thing or whatnot um and then yeah but like booking a comedy show that's something especially if it's like a weekly show or even other even just bi-weekly that's several comics who you have to message or message you it's just it can be a nightmare like um i had a weekly you were doing that for yeah and if I, if we didn't have someone else booking it, um, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> yeah. The second booked or the second show that I ran, uh, had, I think a, we had a producer who handled some of that stuff and that definitely makes it a lot easier. I was trying to, but I know, like I, I talked also about, I was getting involved in like neighborhood council stuff and got elected to a seat and then got really suspicious of like, why do I want this? Why do I need I did the same thing with verification cool. on Twitter. Why uh-huh. do I? Why do I have this? I gotta. Yeah. I gotta get rid of it. I need to be nothing. I need to be zero. <laughs> That's the only way I can. When I'm zero, when I'm at zero, then I feel uh-huh. at home. 
this is a this is a mental block I got to get over. I kind of know what you mean because I I I definitely have like a fear of success and like a fear of the public eye, even though I'm like chasing that at the same time. And part of me thinks that like once I become um like a like a bigger public figure, it's like am I trapped in that kind of like aesthetic or like what people are expecting from me or whatever um which which i know isn't true um yeah i feel that that's never get the opportunity i took took like two i mean i took a couple of big steps back from performing Uh all the way for the last couple of years and the pandemic has made me realize and then this is a effort to try to counteract it is realizing i need it whether or not I am chasing success or whether I, I, it's that, but like, honestly, the Trump, (laughs) the Trump stuff, like was, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like is, are we not all looking at this person and realizing this is on some level who we want to be Mm -hmm. not in the way that he actually is, but in the sense that he's just doing this for the followers, he's just doing this to appeal to whoever is listening to him. He's just going wherever the crowd is. He's going to the worst absolute bottom denominator, uh, the lowest common denominator, but just doing it as a, like he's got no self integrity and so on, but the way that he's just this empty vessel looking for fame and uh, uh, our friend, James Austin Johnson, his impression, but he, you know, went viral and then he did some interviews. I thought he kind of nailed it of like, he's, this is just a guy who's like, looking for love mm-hmm. in practically all the wrong places. Uh, and and it, that sort of reflection was garish to me. It was horrifying. It was like, oh my God, that's the last thing in the world. If that's what I'm doing inadvertently, I need to like totally change everything. Yeah. But- the most soul crushing thing about the entertainment industry is realizing that like the best people um, who do it are narcissists and if they're big, if they're like huge narcissists, like they're likely to actually be successful. Um, cause they're just yeah. putting themselves out there in like asking for followers and stuff like all the time. It's, um, it's very weird. Um, I can't tell if I'm getting better or worse when I try to combat those narcissistic tendencies, but I get the feeling that you're somebody that also is like conflicted. Ab- I mean, you are conflicted about it and, and wonders about that of like, yeah, I, thing. I definitely um, started to like view like in, in my head, I'm, I'm the biggest narcissist I know, but then I also like, will look at my like Instagram and like, I, I don't, I don't post unless I have something to promote, which is to say that like, um, which, which I think is a, is, is a good thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, um, Gosh, I don't know. I, I, I'm the kind of narcissist where it's just like, I don't want to necessarily do be on like social media and stuff all the time. I don't like do it for likes. I just want people to think that like, I'm a genius. <laughs> I just want people to be like, oh, he's so smart. He'll put out one thing a year and it'll be like the best thing. Like that's, that's what I want to be. <laughs> for sure. I gotta, I need to even kind of clarify what I want from my narcissism. Right uh-huh. now, I'm almost like trying to rebuild that. Nar- it's not like it needs rebuilding. It's it's there no matter what. But I'm so afraid of it that I've been like trying to. But I think it all then it kind of. 
I don't know. It manifests in different ways. It manifests in like a savior complex with like, no, I've got to, I've got to, you know, my whole life needs to be about fighting injustice in whatever small way that is. I've got to be dedicating yeah. everything to caring about other people. And then I burn myself out and then need to recollect again and try to find what I can actually do that has tangible, mm-hmm. direct benefits. But- yeah. Um, that remind like in, 2017 like right after trump was inaugurated my my dad passed away and i wanted to take like a step back from performing as much um just because i mean like to deal with that but then also like there was stuff going on politically and then i looked at how long i had been doing comedy at the time um and i was just like okay can i do anything with this art form? Can I change anything? Can I like make the world a better place at all? And then I kind of realized, um, no, not really. (laughs) And then I got like, I don't know. I just like kind of like depressed about like, is talking into a microphone actually a worthwhile, um, thing to do with my time. And then just the way, that like the internet is gone and social media is gone and how the industry is gone too. It's, it's, you're, you're kind of seeing like standup has kind of been devalued and post pandemic, I'm going to, I feel like it's going to be devalued even more. Cause I'm like, when you think about the function of that art form, um, it's the, the same function is kind of filled in by TikTok these days. Um, and it's, it's not like embarrassing to admit that, that like live stand up comedy always isn't going to be like, um, like foolproof and like the truth of the matter. Also, um, just like with like all the me too stuff that's gone on, it's really like exposed that like, there's so many comics who I used to look up to when I first started in comedy, like when I first, first started doing comedy, like there's a sliver of comics who I still like and still like admire. Like there's so many shitty opinions going around. And just because you're good at talking in front of a crowd does not mean that you're like a smart person. Like it took me a very long time to realize that. We've, we've been on similar. I mean, it makes sense. We're about, we're in the same generation, same gone through some similar Uh experiences. I want to, uh, uh, because yeah there it was like a it was a number like i say trump but it's really everybody in like robin williams killed himself committed suicide around the time that i found out that that's the reason i didn't know my paternal grandfather was like oh Mm. oh that was suicide nobody told me that before that was around the time that my dad was was getting uh sick with cancer and starting that process of uh and then he passed away in 2018. I I want to talk about grief with you too because I think we're both past it enough to where we can we can talk about what a absolute kick in the gut and how much longer it takes to absorb that kick and understand that it's been a kick and be able to recover from it is so much in my experience so much longer mm-hmm. than everybody's like oh you can't put a timetable on it but you're still in your mind after it's been X amount of time, you're like, I should really, I need to be stronger than this. And yet it's so hard. But yeah. Or, but just to the comedy thing too, is like, yeah, I, that, 
there was a real genuine terror inside of me that it was like, oh my God, every person who I thought I was wanting to emulate is actually either an outright monster or a subtle monster who is just not who who's only about themselves. Like, even if they're not somebody that's uh, going like directly abusing people, they're not about other people in any way. They're, yeah. They might pretend, they oh, I love my fans. They turn their eye to it, you know? And I don't want to be a sociopath. I don't want to be a, somebody that's, that, that is incapable of... I, I, I just don't want that. That, that, sound, that seems like the monkey's paw thing of, like, devote your whole thing to it, but then by the end you, like, still can't connect with anybody or anything unless it's... Uh, unless it's all about you. I still fear that that is kind of the case, but I'm trying to trying to counteract it. Um, But yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, Yeah. There's so many people who call themselves like truth tellers as um, comedians. And really when they, if you like analyze what their career path has been and what their aspirations are, I'm like, okay, first of all, um, you don't want to be too political in either direction because you'll rock the boat. Um, You suck up to institutions that have a history of abuse because they also have a history of connections. Um, I, I, you know, not, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about like UCB, which already has definitely has its own history of people coming up through like the comedy store and stuff like that. I'm just like that stuff. Like, I don't know that kind of stuff isn't for me at all. Um, well, it's that mindset, right. Of like putting the institution or the corporation as your identity, like people get weird about like, oh, are you putting your, oh, it's weird if you put your pronouns in your bio, but what is, nobody thinks it's weird if people are like, oh, I was on Comedy Central and Netflix. Well, you're putting the, your corporations in your bio. You're saying that that is your, your identity. Yeah. I just don't want to be that kind of person. Um, but maybe I would be that kind of person if I had those credits. I don't know. <laughs> That's the other thing too, as maybe I'm just bitter for my own self of not doing better when I could have or should have. Yeah. Um, totally. It's like, um, you can't really like see, um, what opportunities are going to come at you until they, and it's, it's like, if you're driving on a road, like in the fog and you don't see a sign until it's like right in front of you. And if you're like not ready to send a script or send a resume or whatever for that, for that dream job, um, you'll, it'll just pass you by and, and in your head, you'll like, I'll get it the next time. And then <laughs> you keep missing them. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just like, I feel or like I've think- been in that situation for a long time. Or you think because of the fog, that was your only chance. Right. And- yeah you don't realize that there's several signs ahead because you could only see five feet in front of your face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Realizing that this is a lifelong thing and that there's no, it's a thing that I know in the abstract, but have a hard time internalizing in my actions is knowing that it's all, it's all this law. It's, it's just our lives. (laughs) We're just, we're just living and trying to find a way to live authentically and to ideally be able to offer, be able to, survive in an economy by using whatever we have to be able to do it. So it, I have some, like I need to forgive myself and, and others for chasing whatever it is, whatever it is at the time we're all getting on TikTok now or whatever it is that we think is going to 
like I, I like I say, I, part of me like looks at it with like revulsion of like, oh, chasing the clout and oh, that's so, so gauche. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, that's just a viable response to the situation. That's just a that's a way of recognizing what you need to do, how you can fit into it and then doing it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. What else can you ask? Um, more, <laughs> more. We need to constantly be draining ourselves. We got to be grinding. Got to yeah. be hashtag grinding. Got to be hashtag Monday motivation, Tuesday motivation. Yeah. I mean, I definitely let go of the grind mindset for a couple of years. And I have to say that was really nice. Um, Cause I was, you know, I was grinding for years at a time. Um, fucking freelance grinder. Fucking um, worrying about where every paycheck was going to come from, or every uh, rent check was going to come from. Um, that takes like a long toll. And I, one thing I don't think that people readily talk about is just like how much being like that kind of like middle type of like creative professional opportunities have shrunk in the, in, in the, you know, 2010s. Um, you know, every mid-level comedy thing that never fully hired me got killed by Facebook. Um, Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't even know, like if I were, you know, in my early twenties, getting started, I wouldn't know what to do other than like post on TikTok. And um, no one's making money from TikTok except for TikTok. We're just making free content for them. Um, yeah, in a way, I wonder if it's it's better to be just starting out now because it's it's everything is decimated, like you say. Over the past ten years, like uh, all of those mid level things. Like I, and I would have happily, there were definitely times where I would have been like, okay, I'll just be the guy that writes these. I tried to bring you in at that YouTube studio that I was working at for right, uh-huh. uh, a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it didn't matter anyway, because then six months later, Discovery Digital was like, eh, actually, this is not the way that like internet content mm-hmm. is going. They were right. Funnier Die, even, even if I was at Funnier Die or College Humor, which is where I was like, oh, I'm at the low rent version of College Humor or Funnier Die. Those all shed their stabs uh staffs uh, uh uh like a year or so later and so yeah now there's we're kind of a lost generation we're yeah. we're we're kind of just like i can't it's it's been 21 it were 21 years into the 21st century yeah. and it still keeps feeling to me like i'm still waiting for things to start to get to be fixed to and i think that's kind of where a lot of people are it's just like well when do we start feeling normal again and yeah maybe it's coming part of it is like i feel sort of harrowing when i think that like like right now is the moment where i should be doing like my best work which (laughs) kind of sucks but also like i i actually um like i do enjoy acting and stuff and being like a younger comedian like the time for me to be like a a new comic is is has already gone out the window um but i'm still excited to just like get older in general um and to still be making stuff um i just hope that it turns into um, a situation where i could um be putting money into a retirement fund (laughs) at some point soon but um, at like, you know, one of my podcasts I do, um, I started probably less than two years ago, um, the Dark Weeb that I do with my friend Cody, 
in that when we started that we were basically at the same place and um in that span he went on to write for cartoon network for a little bit to write on um a marvel show to write on um rick and morty right now so it's like okay cool (laughs) i wish that would happen to me but at the same time it's just like um that's how it happens you know it's just like your friends come up recommend you for stuff and i've got so many people who are like willing to send my stuff to people and i'm always just like i'll i'll you know what i'll send it to you in a month when i look at it again and i need to i that's what i need to get over um but i i <laughs> that's what the pills are for so <laughs> <laughs> the pills do will will help with that they help they've been helping me with that although it, it for me anyway it doesn't go away of like looking at everything that i've written and i i need to but i wonder in that time though in the two years that you've been doing the dark weeb um cody was maybe was he writing the whole time was he generating a lot of uh material and sending it out or about the same as um, what you had he uh definitely um i mean not like prolifically writing or anything um but um just kind of like at a good pace i i think um and you know i'm not i i i i tapered down my pace in the last couple of years just cuz um um just purposely um cuz i needed Life. a break Life. you had to you have you had to this is what i i mean uh-huh. in terms of the grief stuff is like it's it changes you right you're a changed yeah. person than before those losses oh yeah 100 percent. and um you know so i there's think like no way to I, get around that yeah there there's isn't no way to like there's no way to be like well and and it's tempting similar with the pandemic to be like well i lost that time but you didn't lose that time it, it's just that it went into different buckets and the hope i yeah. hope is that uh is that it it makes a clear difference now when you begin the next new thing yeah for sure i mean I'm definitely angry at certain parts of my circumstances. Like it sucks that I had to deal with all this stuff, like right when my career should have been like popping off. Um, I think my dad died when I was like five years into comedy. I was like, I quit. I at that point, I I quit open mics. I was still doing shows often. Didn't even have to ask. I was just getting put up, and I was just like, this is where I've been trying to be this whole time. And then I was getting up on stage and I was like talking about my dead dad. And I was just like, fuck, I'm sad. (laughs) Like this sucks. Um, And now, you know, will I, will that opportunity ever really present itself in that way again? Like, I'm not really sure post pandemic or whatever, but um, I do know that I can control how much content I'm putting out. So I've been trying to, get into things that I've always wanted to get into, but I never really had like the technical know-how to do like making fucking tiny little cartoons or whatever. Um, and yeah, you're, 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 I've known, I've been enjoying the art, the pixel art that you've been posting. And you mentioned earlier that you like editing. Yeah. Uh, you, it sounds like you have some I hard suck skills. At it, but uh, <laughs> say what? I said, it sounds like you have some hard skills or you're like working on hard skills as opposed to just soft skills. Definitely trying to. I mean, like, I definitely have skills as a director, but like, if you look at the stuff I've directed, I've never had a budget. So <laughs> they kind of all look like shit. Um, and I'm did like, did you go to school for no. filmmaking, by the way? Uh-uh. Sure did not. Uh-uh. I learned everything uh, off of YouTube and Channel 101. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. 
Yeah, I just feel like um, there's a difference between not working hard and just never having um, a wealth of resources or an abundance of opportunities. And I feel like I've been trying to be vocal about that, um, but it just doesn't come across to industry people when they're just like, um, okay, uh, when you're when you're like up for a job compared to someone else. Um, so that's kind of like the battle I'm fighting right now. But I feel like once um, you get your foot in, then you could just fucking karate kick that foot all the way <laughs> in. <laughs> so we'll see. It seems like that's what it seems like. Is that what you're seeing from uh, Cody too? Is like it sounds like his foot's pretty. Like he's on his third or fourth show now. So exactly, you know, yeah. it's like he's riding that momentum. Um, so I, I you know, I th- I, th- I do think it's a momentum thing. Um, and you know, I'm ready to to get kicked down the hill or whatever. Yeah, roll, roll. Trying roll. To, what's a classic momentum example that's better than? <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm revving up. I'm in a little ball right now. <laughs> I, I'm I'm worried I'm always going to be just on the outside looking in, just like with my face on the window mm-hmm. and just like watching everybody have dinner and have jobs and just being like, gee, it looks it looks nice in there. And then never knowing how to like go through the door. Right. Yeah. Um, I think um, that's how just like a lot of people feel until it happens, I guess. I mean, like when I was, I mean, when I did hit, hit that like nice, comfortable, um, up plateau where I was like getting booked a lot, like for, for years, that's like all I wanted was to just be like a little darling in the scene. You know what I mean? You, you were the it kid for a number of years there. I will think. Still are. I would say, I would say, I mean, I'd still, there's, there's Good. the, I'm it cachet man. That booking. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember like when I, um, like before I that happened, and like I was doing mics like really hard and just like trying to get there, and like just thinking that it would be like impossible. Like I, I felt the same way. Like I was always just gonna be like, um, I don't know, just like an open micer or something. Um, and it's, I mean, I still haven't put out like a <laughs> comedy central thing or like a, even like an hour of stand up or anything like that. But at the same time, it's just like, I know that like you just slave away, um, in obscurity for a while, um, before people start paying attention and then they don't even really pay attention that long. <laughs> and I wonder too, like what, it, what real difference there would be if say, say the timeline was a little different, say you got a comedy central special and the timeline was different. Mm -hmm. Would your life be, it seems like there's a lot of people with lots of comedy central specials and everybody's still kind of in this same boat of just trying to pitch shows to studios or networks. And like, I mean, I I guess there is, I'm, I I guess it depends on where people want to be. Like I personally, um, in terms of like, my career of like what I make money doing. I just want to be in a point where I'm like writing on TV um, enough to like make a, you know, like a nice, um, nice for me annual sum of cash. Um, So it seems like the best possible version of that job is like the late night writing. 
Um, I would honestly hate late night. That's, that's what I'm. That's that's my point too. Is I don't think that would bring me satisfaction. Hmm. And and then if you're talking about writing for a scripted series, then that's a limited time thing too. That's yeah, at best is. only a yeah. few years. And then even if it's the even if you're writing on Cheers, then the rest of your life you're talking about. Well, I used to write on Cheers. Um, maybe. I mean, I've always wanted to um do my own like personal things um like i've always i'm like late in my life i would like to direct movies and stuff but like just right now i just want to like put out like a bunch of cool shorts and stuff um i love that mindset yes that yeah. is the right i i just, just want to like, really you, experiment you um and have movie. like fun um but it'd be sick to write on your <laughs> I mean, it just, that's where I mean too, with the window, like it seems so closed off. It seems like, well, there's, oh man, it would be nice to work on a, you know, this or that showrunner's show, but uh, I don't know. Uh, did you see the, did you watch the, uh, it's called Never Ending Man. It's the documentary about uh, Miyazaki when he quit and then came back to uh, Studio Ghibli and directing. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen that, no. Do you like the Ghibli movie or what's your feeling on, Miyazaki. He sucks. That's the main thing with the dark weeb is like, all right, <laughs> love anime. We tear it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, Miyazaki and I actually share a birthday, January 5th, which is um, hey. really cool. Um, yeah, I like him a lot. I like, I love how um, curmudgeonly he is. <laughs> yeah, that's all the, the documentary is like, is the, all the memes I think come from the documentary. It's worth watching just to see how he's like, he's this like chain smoking old guy. Who's just like constantly like, I'm a failure. Why did I, why did I think I could do this? I'm yeah. so fucking stupid. Yeah. And also I love a thing I love about Japanese work culture from afar. I think mm-hmm. if I were in it, I would absolutely not like it. Yeah. Is how simple and how, uh, modest all of the like creative offices are mm-hmm. when, you, when you get to see those of like oh there's it's just the most boring like it's just a desk everybody just has yeah. a big desk I'd love it takes to, the uh, with a bunch of papers on it yeah <laughs> I'd love a lot that. of mystique out of it mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's the dream right is to like just have like a steady job doing your thing being creative writing jokes coming up with stories uh, and and having that be ongoing. I, I wish they would almost go back to that system, the old studio system where they could just, why aren't they just hiring all of us to be constantly in development and mm-hmm. pitching things? There's got to be room. There's room. Look at all the content they need. Yeah. They need the content. Hire us. What are you doing? I mean, man, I don't know. I miss, um, that's why I like sketch so much. Like it seems like um really fun, creative thing to entertain people and stuff. But um, these days everyone's yeah. doing it. Um. I don't know. A sketch. Do you, you think that would be like a, a sketch show, an animated live action hybrid sketch show hosted by a created by Brody Reed? Um, I mean, as you're saying that, I'm literally like working on stuff like that. So, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what I want as a viewer, as a friend of yours, but also just as somebody who likes your stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's that would be Thank you. me up for that. Yeah, I'm kind of, um, that's kind of like exactly where my head's at. Um, technology has um, progressed 
in such a way that I, I, I truly never expected when I was younger. Um, and I also just like never had access to like a good computer up until straight up like last year. Um, I, it's, it's like between the pills and having a nice computer, like I feel like, <laughs> you got um, superpowers now. Yeah, I really do. Um, and it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you like the pixel type thing and stuff that, that took me probably like three hours just like on my iPad and stuff like that. But I feel like in a couple months, um, I would like to be impressing people <laughs> in a different way. Um, there's, I, there's this one program that I found that, um, kind of makes rotoscoping like pretty easy. Um, and I'm like, Ooh, what can I do with this? So what program? Um, I'll, I'll send, I'll send you a link. It's got like a weird name, <laughs> but, um, I've been, I've been using, I've been doing a little bit of pixel art drawing, uh, in just a browser based thing. Uh, I'm playing, I think it's just cool. called make a bit art mm-hmm. and working on like a, a, like a proto on like a, working on a game with, my, do you know, Jeffrey golden? Yeah. You guys totally. pads at all? Absolutely. So he, he's, he's a great guy. Him and his wife have been like very DIY with like their, yeah, they released books and stuff. And then now he's more in the game world. And then I was just like, man, I want to start something new. And he was like, well, I kind of want to learn how to program games. So we've sort of been working on a thing and it's been, it's fun to stretch those other muscles, right? Like you're talking about with, uh, Mm -hmm. rotoscoping. It's fun to like put, to find that you you're capable of more than you thought. It's always fun to totally have that. realization. Yeah. I never, I mean, like, we get on Twitter and like Instagram every day and like see all this like amazing art. Um, and we're like, Holy shit. Like in a million years, I'd never be able to do that. Um, which is sort of true. I mean, <laughs> like the first thing I ever wanted to be a kid was, um, was a cartoonist. And then I kind of realized Same. how, like how often you'd have to like draw the same frame over and over again. And I was just kind of like, that seems hard. And then, like, it just never clicked with me that, like, oh, yeah, computers can just do that now for you, sort of. Um, so, so now I'm kind of, like, trying to write um, comedic things that I could, like, um, animate or put in different kinds of forms, like visual novels or something um, yes. that, that aren't just straight up, like, live action, but also I don't have to break my back like animating and turning into a cartoon. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of like where I'm trying to live right now. I'm kind of, I, I love that. I'm, I'm, I've been sort of indulging my, that, that same here. Like as a kid, I, I thought I was going to be a cartoonist. I thought that's mm-hmm. what, and then I just didn't ever really cons- seriously consider art school uh, at any point. And so I just figured that, that it couldn't be that. But now going it back to it, you to realize that you actually wanted to be a writer. It took me a long time. It was a long time. I, I, I moved to L.A. sort of knowing that I wanted to write without having written anything. I did some sketch and stand up a little bit in Ohio with uh, friends and the reception was too positive. So then I got <laughs> too encouraged. Right. <laughs> and then came here and didn't really start doing like when I was doing Ham Clown, I was only doing stand up for like a year or two years in it. So I was really a rookie. Uh, and then I stopped while I was basically 
more or less a rookie. I I, mm-hmm. I hadn't progressed. I'd done a few festivals, and then then it was in twenty fourteen or fifteen that I started consciously taking one step back, and then by twenty eighteen, after my dad passed and I got married, I just like I I felt like a million years old. Right. I was like, well, that was even though it had only been a couple of years, mm-hmm. and but in in my mind, I was like. That was that was when I was young. That was a that was a different time. And only now am I coming back to the thing of like, I, the yeah, the, this is going to have to happen one way or the other. So the writing came about just as like honestly, writing. Here's the tragic irony with the writing thing. Mm-hmm. Writing seemed like, oh man, wouldn't it be so fun to just hang out with your friends, shoot the shit, come up with stuff, make each other laugh, uh, and. But instead, writing is so solitary. Even when I'm working on a project with a partner, it's it still feels very solitary. Uh, and even if you've got like a like got one project in development, so there's multiple people who I get to kind of bounce things off of. But it still ultimately is just at the end of the day, we're all alone in our brains and our minds and our bodies, and nothing except cats really, because cats can see through to your essence. Cats really can fucking, they don't give a shit about the rest. They know what's up. They've got their needs. They don't really care so much about your needs, but cats are kind. Cat, people have these, this conception about cats that they're very selfish. They're, they just, they know what they want, uh, but they're quite giving. Is that true for Sega Dreamcat and Space Ghost? Um, they're, I guess so. I mean, one of them doesn't think about anything but food and the other one just wants to like play and like try to escape outside um but yeah they do like to cuddle i don't know (laughs) i don't think they're smart enough to uh cut through to my soul or anything yet but (laughs) (laughs) maybe we're smoking different weed we might be smoking uh i don't know what you're smoking um this this hour passed quickly i feel like i we were skipping over or I skipped stones over a lot of what I, but then again, I didn't play in any of it. There's a lot that I, I just miss you. It was nice to uh, skipping stones is fun. Yeah. Skipping stones is fun. We covered a lot of ground, um, a lot of water, but I think uh, an hour is about right for a podcast. I think we should probably wrap it up. What do you okay. think? Sounds good. Well, it was or, great talking to you. Did I, it was great talking to you. When did you figure out you wanted to be a writer? I'm trying to think of what, I think when I first um, started doing improv, um, I was I was actually trying to convince myself that I didn't want to be an actor. Um, like before I even started doing stand up, I was just like, I'll just I'll do comedy writing. That seems like fun. It seems it seems like a safe thing. Um, you know, I I was like addicted to you know sitcom TV, and I still am. I, I only ever wanted to do like mid-budget comedies um that's like everything that i write um to this day so like i kind of like knew for a while um i think um kind of like one of the bigger divisions for me is just like everything i write tends to be kind of like that kind of like low budget comedy style where i have to like convince myself to write something that's like not a comedy to write something that's like horror or sci-fi or to like even admit that i could apply and like want those things as well too um so i'm kind of like trying to get over that like mental health 
I want to read your writing. I don't know that I have. I know you've read some of my shitty scripts because I convinced you to join like a writer's group at some point that had a few meetings and then mm-hmm. fizzled out as it does. I don't know if I've ever read your. Your That's stuff. Some stuff. I'd be, I, I want I, I need to also I finally put it in a Dropbox, all my scripts, but I'm still not like sharing it because I still feel like mm-hmm. they're all not as strong as they could. But I wish I could be. Yeah. We all we all feel like we have to be a bit guarded with this stuff, but I kind of wish that they were as free flowing as everything else. Yeah, I always need Seeing one more like- draft than um than I than I have, and then someone asked me to read my script, and I'm just like, oh, uh, oh, okay, well, <laughs> yeah, minor, yeah. So yeah. I need to do that. Um, like literally, as we were podcasting, my friend asked me to send him a script to send to someone else. Um, and I was just like, okay, well, I have to make another draft in the next couple hours. So, <laughs> but <laughs> so, did, does it really need that? Or is that just the perfectionist voice in you? Like, um, I've sent this script out before and have gotten complimented on it. And I feel like, I, so I've gotten close to getting a job from it, but I haven't gotten a job from it. So I'm just going to look at it <laughs> again, yeah. you know, <laughs> And then I got to do another podcast. <laughs> don't 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 get too lost in the thing of like trying to tear it. That's what happens. I just want to tear it all down and start yeah. over. It's probably fine how I've, it is. Yeah, and I've actually done that once before with this script, and I'm just gonna give it this afternoon and just send it off. Like I can't. I, I don't want to get too precious about it. I don't want to take too much more of your time. You've got no uh, a day ahead. Thanks for being. Oh, um, so. With no audio editing whatsoever, uh, how do you feel about releasing this out into the public with your name on it? Uh, nah, trash it. Burn it down. <laughs> All right. That's what we're doing. <laughs> now you can put it out. <laughs> you're, you're the, that's the answer I'm always hoping for, and you're the first one to, to say no. <laughs> so thank you. I, I, what I really want is someone to just be like, Grant, please stop doing this. Please <laughs> Please just do anything else with your time. The first, and I think the 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 simplest. Um, if there's one thing I've learned in eight or nine years doing comedy, it's that the funniest thing you could do is say no when the most obvious answer is yes. <laughs> um, it never it, fails. It, it never ever fails. That could have come in at a better time. The drums. We got to get the drum. T- the timing on the drums has got to. The drum timing. It's never going to work. All right, Brody, thanks for hanging out. Uh, Links to your podcasts are in the description. The Dark Weeb, check it out. And also the Male Gaze podcast. Follow Ayo Bro Bro on Twitter. I recommend it. And uh, hey, yeah, that's talk time that we heard at the beginning. It's talk time that we're hearing here at the end. Thanks for being with us. This song is called Colors. And this podcast is brought to you by me and the eight cats, the producers. Prince, Milo, Moose, Zeus, Peanut Butter, Nala, Shadow, and Squeaky Mama. That's eight cats. And that's who's bringing it to you. Rate us five stars on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. That would be nice. Tell us how pretty we are. Compliment our looks in this audio format. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow because we're doing this daily. We're still keeping up with the daily schedule more or less. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.